welcome to Into the Halo, a Warrior Nun fan podcast. I'm Sheila. I'm Kimberly. And I'm Kevin. And this is going to be our deep dive discussion into episodes four, five, and six of Warrior Nun Season 1. And we will be talking about specific things that happened in the episodes, as well as different themes. So fair warning that spoilers are ahead in case you have not seen the episodes yet. All right, before we get to some episode discussions, um, this is where we kind of try to get you folks some updates or news. Not a lot happening in one sense, but in another sense, definitely a bit of a squee moment for many of us when we did see that uh, show creator Simon Barry uh, did tweet a couple of times about being in Spain and uh, in a bit of a, I guess you'd say, quarantine for initially getting there as they start to scout locations, get ready to start shooting. Squee! Squee! was kind of cool. One of the tweets had just a beautiful photo, you know, uh, as we know from season one. And another tweet had like a picture of a goat. I I didn't totally follow it, but something must have been happening there. Hopefully we'll find out soon. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) You you know what I have to say to those tweets? There's always more. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be my running gag. Yeah, I was going to say, get ready for that, folks. It's going to be running through. So, yeah, good to see. Um, you know, I, I think one of the other producers had mentioned that they were in Spain. So, you know, hopefully some info will start trickling out. Um, very much looking forward to it. Should be interesting in the next couple of months to see what we get. And now let us jump right in to episode four. And I'm just going to preface and say thank you, Google pronunciation, because Ecclesiasticus 26, 9, 10 the whoredom of a woman may be known in her haughty looks and eyelids. If thy daughter be shameless, keep her in straightly, lest she abuse herself through overmuch liberty, is the title, basically. And what the heck does that mean? Yeah, wow, that was quite the... Mouthful? <laughs> <laughs> well, to get us started with our discussion, uh, we're going to start with a little summary of what happened in the episode first. So... In the rewatch, I didn't realize that there were so many things going on in, in this episode. Um, so the storylines are just insane. So first, we find that Ava is back in the outside world, reiterating that she wants to live. We see flashbacks of her um, when she was seven, and she woke up at St. Michael's Orphanage after the crash that killed her mother and left her a quadriplegic. We also see how she suffered the abuse of Sister Frances through the years. Uh, In present time, though, with Chanel's help, she's figuring out her style and how to dress more modern. Modern in air quotes. In the meantime, Shotgun Mary's trying to find out exactly what happened to Sister Shannon, and she's getting closer. She is telling Father Vincent her theory that she thinks that there is something behind the wall in Sister Shannon's bedroom. And so Father Vincent is trying to get her to find Ava, bring her back so that she can phase through the wall and retrieve whatever is behind that inner sanctum. Meanwhile, though, Jillian Salvius is convinced that Ava is the key to making her portal machine work. And so she sends hitmen to try to find her. Cardinal Doretti sends the sister warriors to try to infiltrate Arctech to get back the Divinium Shield and other artifacts that belong to the church. He has also, though, instructed Lilith to bring back the halo with or without Ava. And the episode ends with Ava 
saving Diego from Sister Francis, because Sister Francis is about to kill him too. Um, and she confronts Sister Francis about all the orphans that she's killed in the past. And when Sister Francis tries to kill Ava again, Ava, with the help of the halo, fights off the, the poison, and Ava ends up killing Sister Francis. So now she's leaving the orphanage, and as she gets to the outside, she sees Sister Lilith waiting for her to take the halo back by any force necessary. And there you have it. Yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. I don't even really know where to start. Like my first thought of this episode with the first few minutes is you, you're starting to see, you know, I know in the last one, Ava said she wanted to live. She was sorry. She didn't want to deal with this. Right. So mm-hmm. she keeps running away from it. Mm-hmm. And we've discussed that we, we all kind of enjoy that, that she's a character that isn't just jumping in going, Oh, here's my legacy. I'm going to go do it now. And, and is, is more human and more like, wait a minute. She's struggling with it. Yeah. And I, I like that about her. But I found it interesting that in the first few minutes, she's someone who is struggling with this, but still is such a good person that when she sees the mist of the wraith, she follows into the dark alley and ends up getting jumped and stabbed herself. Mm-hmm. And that just, in my back of my head, every time I thought of that, it was like the road to hell is paved with good intention. And I think us for viewers kind of wondering whether or not she's going to be a part of this, you know, whole big picture, you know, having that happen to her when she tries to do something right, you know, is just remind, at least reminding me as a viewer, okay, it's going to take a lot more to get her totally on board with what's going to happen here. But I mean, the, as you laid out so well, Sheila, I mean, there, there is so much going on there. There are so many story threads starting to play out here. Again, without being spoilery, um, you know, what we touched on just before we hit the record button is uh, not remembering how much was going this early on. And, you know, I kind of remember things being a little quieter at this point in the season, but in in, in a plot point of view, it's not. Um, as you've laid out a lot of these things, they're going to start to intertwine, certainly, but uh, at this point, we're getting a chance to see each of them kind of settle in and get ready to go. I think for me in in this episode, there were a lot of um, backstory to, this, to several characters that we we're introduced to. Like Ava, you know, for example, you know, we, we see how, how she was through the orphanage and how she developed and how Sister Frances really was verbally abusing her the entire time. Um, but we also find out about Sister Lilith and her family and why she is so gung-ho about being the next bearer. It's like she has this um, weight of history on her. You know, her family produced six halo bearers, and she's next in line. And so, you know, she's when Cardinal Duretti tells her, "Go get the halo," she's just right on it. See, and that for me was an interesting point because there was some we went through, and, and you mentioned so beautifully. It, the description of Francis and what happened to Ava and everything in the beginning. Now that, that really created a big psychological thing for me in my head. And when Ava kills Francis, they were discussing how Francis is doing God's work and how she lost count of how many she's killed. So she's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way around that. And Francis is saying 
how good she is and how she's saving these children. She's bringing them to the heavenly father and releasing them from the struggles of the mortal coil. And in my head, I started going, okay, so Francis has killed all these people. Ava just killed Francis and Lilith is going to kill Ava by taking the halo out. And immediately, you know, we start to think, oh, well, Lilith is evil because Lilith is going to put herself first and take the halo. But in the same token, Ava has just done the same thing and killed someone. So they're really, it, it was immediately putting them on the second watch. I was like, they're on the same playing field. They both are going through so much inner turmoil and they're both being pushed in directions that even if they sound like they're okay with it, they're, they don't seem to be okay with it. And would it be like, would Ava be a better halo bearer? She's killed. Would Lilith be a better halo bearer because she's been born into it? It just, they're both willing to kill for the right reasons. And I, I then look at Francis and go, oh, they're all killing because they think they have the right reasons. And it just struck me very intently because I was like, okay, you have someone who's definitively evil. You have someone who we think is semi-evil. And then you have someone who we think is the innocent and all of them have now taken life. Did anybody else notice that? Or is that just my weirdness? No, I definitely see it. I don't quite see it though. You know, technically they've taken life. Yes. But the very interesting part of all this, as we, as we know, every villain is the hero of their own story. So, yes, Sister Frances just thinks she's helping these poor children. Again, serial killer. Ava is defending Diego and defending herself when Frances ends up, you know, jabbing her with the syringe with whatever it is, the poison or, or the agent that's going to stop her heart or whatever. So, I mean, she is, is basically reacting to what she's done. So that, that gets down to the... Is, you know, is that self-defense, question mark? Um, so does that count as killing in the sense of choosing to kill, as opposed to Francis, who has chosen to kill the kids, and Lilith, who is just so, I almost was going to say hell-bent, but that's the wrong phrase, um, very focused on getting nothing but the halo at any cost, as we see in several of these scenes between her discussions with Doretti right down to when she hears something happening on the over the radio about where Ava is, singular focus, get the halo. Um, uh, so if that involves killing or whatever else, again, she's she's masking it with that. So it's fascinating, but it's also because each of the characters has got such a different focus that that I that I have fun seeing it that way. Mm. For me, the the thing that got me was the the fact that Ava was so guilt-ridden about killing Francis. Yeah. And yet Francis has done this to I don't know how many kids, and she is almost gleefully doing it. Almost. And so, to me, the, the, um, the difference of how each of them is reacting was the, was the thing that really got me um, focused on that. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious Lilith is at this point in this episode is willing to do anything. She even abandons her team. And when you're going in as a team, you have to lean on each other. And, and just a cute little side note, 
I absolutely thought Camilla waiting to go in was hysterical. Like, oh God, hurry up, shift change. I can be patient. I can do that. I love that in, in the seriousness of things, you have someone being the levity. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Lilith leaves, they're leaning and they're depending on her. I mean, you're a part of the team. We're trying to infiltrate this. And then Beatrice just taking over and showing her leadership and that fight scene. Oh my God, yes. that fight scene. Yes. Well, I mean, as you pointed out, though, what what's great for us for the foundation of the characters is just the time spent waiting to to do their assault. Because from from the just Camilla and all that cute interaction, the way Lilith and Beatrice spar back and forth about whether even doing this is a good idea, and the fact that Doretti wants them to be this aggressive, assertive uh, in trying to get the the shield back. Um, because as we'll come to find out, you know, there's plenty of security cameras in there, you know, naturally, as you would assume. And, and they are kind of exposing themselves on the OCS by doing this. So this this is a major step for, for everyone. And, and yeah, the, the actual fight scene itself and, and what Beatrice can do. I, I mean, I lost count. Eight, nine, ten guards. I don't know what, how many it was. But it was pretty badass for sure. Yeah. I I... I knew something was going to happen when she finally put down her ace shield. The chain mail. The chain mail. Like, oh, oh, here we go. Here we go. And I do remember during the Clexicon panel, um, it was discussed that it was being held by magnets, which I thought was really cool. Yeah. And I also love the fact that, you know, we're seeing that Camilla really is like the technical person, you know, that she can figure out how to open doors and all of that, even though she did trip the alarm. That's, that's fine. <laughs> she, got them, she got them really far into the building. Yeah, a, a very high security place, let's face it. That's, that was quite an accomplishment. One, one of the other things that I found interesting after 1, 2, and 3, we were discussing last time about science and religion can work together, and maybe even though they're butting heads, this is the beginning. And now you have Jillian going on television saying that the Vatican needs to back up and they're already waging war. Like there is no, let's have a conversation, sit down. Both sides, Cardinal already and, and uh, Jillian uh, are, are literally sitting there going, they're both hating each other and now they want to eradicate each other. Like there is no middle ground whatsoever. And I found that very interesting to happen so quickly. Well, I mean, based on the conversations we're seeing, you know, we kind of knew that was coming. Um, but yes, once, once it's, once it's, uh, once they take the step to go in to get the shield, let's face it, we knew she was going to use it in, in any way she could to kind of get her, him or her point science over religion approach. Because the same way that Doretti was just so adamant about getting the shield back. Because again, we come back to this whole discussion of, the church, doing my air quotes here, folks can't see it, assuming they have the right to it. Um, you know, why? Yeah. <laughs> Just because? I don't know. That doesn't seem to qualify as a valid reason. I think his answer was that it was um, the holy armor, and it was like a relic that they supposedly control and own. But since they don't discuss it or say anything about it, it's like secretive. 
they really, in my opinion, don't, which is fascinating to then again see him go, but it's ours and they're heretics. Again, it, it makes you really dislike him a great deal because if you don't agree with him, you're a heretic. If you don't agree with him, you're going to die. If you don't agree with him, like Beatrice turning around saying, um, I am loyal to God, that one line is so powerful. That's like the most, in, in this case, the standout line for me in this whole episode is how she stands up to him. Well, I think, and, and, and there's some other juicy conversation happening in ep five as well. So it, it all intertwines. I messed that up and added and see the episodes are blurring. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's, you know, I'm so excited. It's hard not to, since we're covering these as a set, because they, they all do, they intertwine so much. Um, you know, maybe more of it is set up here in four, but a lot of it is going to really be pulled to the surface, both publicly and just with the characters dealing with a lot in five too. Um, but the other big thing, too, before we kind of jump to five, because you're right, it's 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 very involved in all of it, um, is that an encounter between Lilith and Ava out, you know, side of the orphanage? Because, you know, that's not looking very good for Ava when, you know, we know how singularly focused Lilith is um, and wanting the halo and what that could mean to Ava, you know, if, uh, if Lilith gets the chance to just cut it out of her. Right, and... Since Ava knows that the only thing that can really hurt her is the Vinium, and Lilith is wielding the the cruciform sword, you know, it's like, uh oh, all right, how am I going to get out of this now? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was good. This was one of those uh, great ways to end an episode. Thank goodness it's a Netflix, uh, excuse me, Netflix binge because you would not want to wait a week <laughs> to see what was going to happen with where she was at at the very end of that one. So I'm going to ask a question. Of the two of you. And I think I might want to do this after every episode. I'm not sure. <laughs> if it works and we sound, I sound good, then we'll go. Um, the title of the episode, what did you, like, I'm going to phrase it horribly. I know what I thought it meant. What do you think it means? Well, I was actually thinking, especially towards the beginning of the episode, you know, she's, she clearly likes JC, but she doesn't know how to dress herself. And so she's trying to, she's trying to find her, her identity, if you will, uh, figuring out her style. Uh, you know, literally, I thought that the title was talking about that, where she was trying to find herself because after decades of being just in bed, um, it's hard to know what it is that she really likes because she never had that opportunity. And what's interesting to me on that is that, you know, certainly in the past several minutes that we've been talking about the episode, we've barely touched on the interactions between her and JC, you know, yeah. and, and, and you touched on it early on, Jailer, in that, you know, it's, she is discovering, she's still discovering herself and discovering what she wants to do. I mean, she still, that's, you know, she took off at the end of episode three and she is just kind of saying, nope, I just want to experience life. Um, and JC is the great way to, to have a way to, to experience it or she sees something to be able to do. Because she is also spending so much time not telling him anything, mm -hmm. you know, um, for someone who's had, who hasn't had probably a ton of interactions with people. 
she's doing pretty good at not telling him things, you know, because he just wants to know a little more about her naturally, and, and she's avoiding those things pretty well. Probably, yeah. probably in part too, because as you said, she doesn't really know who she is yet. Yes, yeah. See, I, I took it pretty much the same way. Um, I also was thinking like. Even JC and, you know, she ran away from the cat's cradle. She's still hiding. She stays with uh, JC, I think, because he feels safe and he's fun and he is exploring with her and, and introducing her to all these new things. But I kept thinking that maybe, like you both said, she doesn't know who she is. So everything around her is really an illusion, if you think about it, until she discovers who she truly is and only she can decide that everything else around her, all the things, the places, everything is somewhat of an illusion and almost meaningless because yes, it's an experience, but if it doesn't hold weight, what value is it to her in the long run in discovering who she is? That's what I kept thinking. Yeah, very true. That's very true. And at this point we're only, you know, uh, less than half into the, into the season. So she's, you know, this is what I'm appreciating more, I think, on a rewatch. For those of you that might be brand new and are only watching it for the first time, you just I, I feel more layers. I feel more identification with her in the I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want. And, and I'm having so far a pretty messed up life to, to get to this point between what happened in the orphanage and, and the car accident and, and now the halo and, and all of this. I mean, it's a lot to digest at, at her young age. I guess with that, we should just jump right into five, since I've already mentioned two things for episode four <laughs> that were actually episode five. Because I've just... We were trying to give you a bridge so to that, get there. Right? I need a bridge. But if there's just so much that happened in four that kind of blended for me for five, because they were so... Oh, look, Netflix, you just hit play. But episode five is Matthew 713, Enter Through the Narrow Gate... For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. So the summary of this episode is that Ava actually escapes Lilith with the help of Shotgun Mary. So when Ava slips through their their grasp, um, she gets on a catamaran with JC, and uh, you know they are trying to get away and. On the catamaran, she has another experience, and she gets physically intimate with JC. In the meantime, Jillian is escalating her war with the church, and that is what she's doing. She's, she is exposing Divinium, as Kimberly mentioned. Oops. <laughs> and I actually told the press that, you know, this metal is going to open portals, even to heaven, and the church is hiding it from you. And so, because of this exposure... Cardinal Doretti is going to move the Divinium Shield from the cat's cradle to the Vatican for, air quotes, safekeeping. And you know, while that's happening, Cardinal Doretti continues to strategically put his plan in place by figuring out which of the sister warriors will be loyal to him. And this is where he has that discussion with Sister Beatrice, and she shuts him down. We will have a discussion about that because... That's a really pivotal scene. That's my oops times two. <laughs> it's all good. Um, in the meantime, though, Father Vincent has his own plan. He goes to visit Jillian and tells her the exact location of where the Divinium Shield is going to be. 
And in exchange, he is asking her to just call off the search for Ava. And then when he leaves, we see that Jillian has a son kept behind secure doors and in isolation. And he happens to be the boy that Ava saw in episode two. Now back at the docks, Sister Lilith and Shotgun Mary finally catch up with Ava and JC in an abandoned warehouse. Yeah, they continue to fight, and the halo signal brings about the Tarask. I was about to say Tesseract. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm still... Good, good job not screwing it up. <laughs> oh, goodness. But um, yeah, in, in that... In that scene, Sister Lilith ends up being skewered in the side, in her ab- lower abdomen. And as she is dying, she tells Ava to pick up the cruciform sword. And Ava instinctually just slashes the, the Tarask. It goes back to its realm, taking Sister Lilith along with it. And a shocked JC keeps asking Ava, what was that that he saw? And Ava just couldn't answer him. She she panics. She drops the sword and then phases out of the warehouse, leaving JC and Shotgun Mary behind. And that's the cliffhanger ending. Eek! And one heck of a cliffhanging episode ending. Thank God we can just go to the next episode. (laughs) Yes, but before we do that. Oh, my goodness. This. So I got I got to ask a quick question because uh-huh. this is just me because the, these episodes for me, the three of them were so in depth with character development that my brain just kept going into like these questions to ask the two of you. So that's going to be my role for this podcast. <laughs> when Lilith and Shotgun Mary were fighting, you know, now Shotgun Mary mentions after that no matter what, Lilith is my sister. We fight because we're family. It doesn't matter, you know, and I. I love that relationship, but I also, do you think the fight represents the moral code versus family entitlement? If you could see Kevin's face right now, it's brilliant. It's like all squishy and everything. It's it's like brain freeze, okay? Um, That is such a big question. Um, Right. I, I, I probably, at this point in the, in the series, don't go to that depth in my thought on it. I'm thinking more as I'm watching the two of them and their interactions so far. It's a it's a great for me. It's a great example of showing you that yes, they're family, um, and yes, they both are are trying. I think to work towards the same type goal, but taking radically different approaches on it. I mean, I think it's showing me the the idea that there are different ways to accomplish a goal. Lilith in her steadfast, all that matters is getting my hands on the halo. Anything else is way down number two on the list. And Mary's taking the time to say, wait a minute, there's an impact in what you're doing. There's a ripple effect. This is life. That You're not making what you're doing isn't going to occur in a bubble where only you are going to see any impact from it. So I think it's a very fascinating way of looking at, you know, we need to find some common ground in between and how they're going to do it. Um, and, and right now there's none and, you know, poor Lilith by the end is, isn't even in our realm anymore. So it, it's that approach to it. The question you just asked, that's so big. I don't have an answer right now on it. I mean, it can certainly be seen as that. I think, you know, it's an excellent observation, Kimberly. 
I'm wondering if we should leave that one for one of my list questions for the live chats. Or we yeah, just- well, we can talk about the entire series in that scope. And as we're talking about Shotgun Mary and Sister Lilith, I, the thing that sticks out in my in my mind about their interaction as they're fighting is that um, Shotgun Mary actually told Sister Lilith, this is why you know, the Halo didn't choose you because you are not a leader and that's why you were passed over for Sister Shannon. T- taking it into like the, fam- the family reference, sometimes you, you have to tell your family the honest truth no matter how painful it is. Now, granted, they were fighting each other in the scene, so they were hurting each other physically anyway, but um, you know, that, I think, might have cut deeper than any other physical cut that Shaka Mary would have given Sister Lilith. I mean, they were, you know, they were actually saying you know, they were close friends before Shannon became the, the halo bearer. That's where Lilith changed. So again, more history about where, you know, where they, they're coming from. Well, that also goes into Father Vincent, because Father Vincent at this point is also delving into his past a little bit, and he's giving hints to it. Um, you know, how his consciousness might get the better of him. And then he goes into how the halo has chosen Ava, full stop. Like, you can't just go get it. It chose her for a reason. And, you know, thinking of that and then going to the conversation with Lilith, there's also that idea that maybe the halo wouldn't choose her. Maybe that's also wearing on her, too. Mm-hmm. Like, why isn't she good enough? And with all of her family history of halo bearers and her, her single-minded approach to prepping for this, there's got to be a little bit in the back of her mind of just that. What if it rejects me? Yeah. Could she even handle that? You know, with all the family history and everything else. So as much as she might want it, there has to be part of it of, of that's just making her, to some degree, just have that little bit of wondering going on. Because, I mean, and, and you touched on, you both touched on it a little bit in, in some of these conversations about Lilith and Mary and so forth. The, the fascinating thing of watching in this episode is the two of them trying to chase down Ava, taking totally different methods to try to realize where the next stop of the boat is you know uh, how they get there the methods they use the the knockdown drag out fights they have <laughs> right. that really you probably can only have you know with a family member you know be it blood relative or found family to 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 beat the crap out of each other enough uh, because you care enough but also because you're trying to get a point across to them sometimes to have them see something you don't think they're seeing so from the one that they had, you know, kind of like in the dock area, right down to the one on the boat in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, you know, that's some great stuff to watch for, for fight choreography, but also thinking about the exchanges they're having of trying to get the other one to finally just say, okay, I see your point, but neither of them wants to give in. Right. Which, by the way, as a random, did anyone else's head go to... There are metal detectors. How the heck did you get on the ferry with knives and handcuffs and shotguns? Just curious. I think we have to go to the um, don't pull the thread part of 
watching some shows there. The realm of disbelief. <laughs> yeah, you get uh, you pull that thread. Watch out, man! You're going to make a lot of this go poof. <laughs> I was laughing about it. I was going to say it was divine intervention. Well, speaking oh, of divine how often intervention, can we get away with that one? But a bunch. <laughs> But speaking of that, Jillian is still looking for Ava, even though she gave her word that she wouldn't. And when asked by Christian, you know, she says bluntly that Vincent coming to her just basically told her there was discord among their ranks, which means there's an opening for her. Which to me is such an Easter egg for the rest of the season. And I can't talk about it yet. (laughs) But even Vincent and his choice, I mean... He took quite a bold move to go to her, obviously, to tell her where the shield is going to be. But from a negotiating point of view, obviously this is not something he does because he didn't get her agreement not to go after Ava, really. He just said that's what he really wanted, and all she did was kind of nod and offer him a drink. Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, so, I, you know, that that's, and that kind of, can't believe you want to bring in your question here of what the title means. <laughs> I can't help but think of him a little bit on this. I went really deep with what I thought it was. So I'm just going to throw it out there first and then let you guys tell me what you think. And I said that the episode, I actually had to write it down because I was going to forget. The episode is about walking the right path. It isn't always easy, but it's the right way to walk the easier path, which is wider and has the gate it leads to darkness. Ava must accept her path as a halo bearer is hard but true. Mary can't fix the death of Shannon or force others to take her offer for help. And Lilith must, must accept that she's not the bearer. It did not choose her at this point. She's an amazing fighter, but she's not the leader it needs right now. What do you guys think? I was thinking very simple that, yes, the, the, the right thing is usually the harder thing to do. So Ava, um, who should take up the mantle is because it's the right thing to do. Can't at least not yet. She's not ready. So she runs away from it. That's my teeny tiny thing. And for me, that applies to almost each of the characters in here. Doesn't it? I mean, father Vincent made quite a choice on a, on a very broad road to basically give over information to what is perceived as the enemy of the church. That was a bit, pretty big decision to go there. Um, you know, Lilith and Mary did not stop long enough to say, okay, we have a common goal here. Let's work together to get Ava back. They continued on their own, shall we say, very stubborn paths, which created a, a opportunity, one, for Ava to get away early on, and later, to to end up with with um, uh, Lilith trying to, to to cut it out of her, that upset her enough to open a portal to get the terrace there, which led to Lilith's end. So they're all doing stuff that's going to, you know, basically start to to look at the whole road and where they're going, and and Jillian has no problem showing video footage. Of the OCS coming in to get the stuff. I mean, you talk about the line in the sand between her and the church. There's no going back now. Well, then I guess we're just going to jump right into six. No, 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 no. no. We have to talk about Beatrice. Yeah, you got it. You go for it, Sheila. Okay. So Cardinal Doretti was trying to get her to, to be loyal to him. And we actually find out, and 
I was just so fascinated with this that you know he was basically reciting her dossier, right? She was top of her class. She was the best of the best. She always did something um, to learn something new on her off time. Um, and when Cardinal Doretti said, you know, are you going to be essentially loyal to me? She said, I will be loyal to God. Basically telling him, heck no, go away. I don't follow you. I follow, I follow my own, uh, not her own, but her, her, her oath. She took an oath and she is loyal to God, not any man. I think too in there she said she's loyal to the church, which is where this gets fascinating is talking about Doretti or Father Vincent or any of these representatives and how Beatrice is able to stay committed to the order, to the church, to maybe what the goal of what they're trying to do, rather than these individuals who are trying to manipulate things their way. That's, like you said, Jill, that's what makes this conversation so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, she sees the bigger picture, I think. Because, frankly... There's always more. But I really think, <laughs> in truth, I think Beatrice looks at it in a very different light. She sees Ava as, as being part of this much larger issue, and she can take a step back and look at it, whereas I guess everybody else is a player within it. So it's much harder for them to see what they're affecting, how they're affecting, like, like you uh, both have said. And I love her interactions with people because she can tell them exactly what's going on, whether they take heed or not, you know, is them. But when, she, when he says loyalty is key and she goes, yes, it is. And I am loyal to God. Like, you know, like Sheila mentioned the, the dialogue before. It's fascinating to see that she is unwavering in her faith because it is the one thing that has been a constant. And when she looks at the, the big picture, she sees where things are going to like uh, where things are going to fall, where the dominoes may fall. And she's just trying to help and, and be the better person and keep her loyalty to where God tells her to go and, and listen to those instincts. And it's, it's really a fascinating, like, like Kevin, you mentioned the line in the sand. That is one hell of a line in the sand. I mean, I love the fact that she really is standing up to power, right? Because Cardinal Doretti is very powerful, but her convictions are strong too and this is this is her this is her path and she's not going to deviate from it and where that also ties in and I think is fascinating is when he had a similar conversation with Lilith she couldn't say yes I'll do whatever you want as long as you get me the halo fast enough mm-hmm. you know for her it was very much about me 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 she may say it's not but it was very much me 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 what am I going to get at by being loyal to you and like you said, Beatrice is able to stand there and say, this isn't about individuals. Because the other thing that I think ties here that's fascinating as this is developing is, a little earlier than this, Father Vincent had spoke to, um, I think it was Beatrice, about Duretti, saying that he thinks Duretti is taking them away from the mission, their mission, mm-hmm. potentially. So is that the reason why he goes to Julian? To, you know, undermine Duretti? Or is it truly because he wants to let the, the possibility of Ava being Hellbearer play out. This is where I start wondering who's got what intentions, you know? Yeah, that, that's really interesting because when I, fir- 
when we first watched it, I was thinking, okay, Father Vincent really is, you know, being a father figure to Ava. She, he is trying to check her, and that's why he was going to barter that the Divinium Shield so that um, Jillian would back away. But you're right. Now, is there a, a different plan that we're just not seeing? I'll be honest. I was very cynical. The minute he walked in there and he's trying to barter, I'm like, why are you doing that? You know, for whatever reason, if they're going to close the order and you're in there, why? What, what, is, what purpose does it serve for you? Because you're not going to save the order if you give the shield back. You know, you're not. And, and the fact that, like you said, he, he didn't get anything in return. And Jillian's still looking for Ava. So the discord going in there, I'm like, okay, one of, one of these major players is a master manipulator. And I couldn't figure out who it is. <laughs> and it was just bugging me. But also then you have Lilith um, when she does tackle Ava and she's saying, you know, you were given the halo and the halo gave you purpose. She's, I kind of started to see a side of Lilith where she's like, okay, well, it gave you purpose. You have to try it. You have to listen. You have to work for it and, and try to plead her case. And then Ava said no. And then she went to cut it out. And then the Trask shows up, not the Tesseract. And <laughs> she does the right thing because she realizes, you know, right now they're in, in deep doo-doo and we got to get rid of this thing. And the only one who can do that is Ava. And the halo is in her. And she realizes there is something a little bit bigger than her going on at the moment. Whether that changes had she not been dragged through the portal, I don't know. But at that moment, she makes a decision to have Ava fight because that's the only way they're all getting out of here. Or at least the other three, because she thinks that she's already gone anyway, so she was sacrificing herself. She meaning Lilith. Well, I, cool. and at the, yeah, and I think we should talk on that because it appears as if the Tarask is making a move towards Ava and JC. Poor JC, wrong place, wrong time. To Because he, the Tarask can tell, <coughs> excuse me, that Hala... Halo. <laughs> Ava has the halo. Um, and Lilith is kind of a little off. It's out of line of sight. She could just stand there and do nothing and probably be very safe. But she chooses to move towards Ava and the Tarask. And, you know, that doesn't go so well for her. So, to her credit, you know, she, once she kind of saw the situation, I mean, we can't get in her head. But, but it looked like she was attempting at least to do what was right or what she should do in that position as someone with the sword. So, um, you know, that's what's kind of interesting on, on all of her complaints about Ava. Still, she was willing to, I mean, she's got to know that making any kind of a move towards the terrace there could be, you danger. know, life-ending. Danger, Will Robinson, danger. And I think really that was the first time, you know, piggy, piggybacking on what you said, Kevin, you know, when she was... Lilith was always about me, me, me. That really was the first time where it felt to me that she was actually thinking of others and not just herself. Possibly. Yeah. Cynic in me also says that it could be that she was, oh crap, this thing is going to get the halo and the war is over then. Mm. But we we don't know. we We don't know what her thought was, but again, she at least was willing Yeah. to step up at that point. I'll be honest, the first time I saw that, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. 
it kind of it's it's one of those action sequences slash deaths that kind of hit you oddly because this is someone you thought would be your villain throughout and then they're just gone and you're like wait a minute and you kind of feel bad for them because she's dragged with a demon we don't know where the heck she is right it's just it was oh gut-wrenching and i also couldn't help myself on a on a couple of these rewatches he had to prep for this thinking about poor jc talk about having your mind blown from from the whole experience of them chasing after Ava to seeing the Tarask to seeing the Tarask stabbing Lilith to seeing Ava stab it mm-hmm. <laughs> and then disappear through a wall. If he's not a little nuts at this point, kudos to him. And I think Shaka Mary just leaves him there, right? Well, we don't know, but it it seems to be. Well, I'm saying at the end of that episode, I think she, she kind of just makes like a snide remark and, and walks in a different direction from it. She just I, th- I think it closes out with us looking her. at her, <clears throat> just looking back at the warehouse that has nothing in it except for JC. Right. That she was crying because now her sister is gone. Yeah. 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 But it's just as, as JC, you go through all that trauma and then you're alone and you have no idea when that thing is coming back. <laughs> PTSD? Anyone? So are we ready to go into six? Should I, do we have anything else that I've missed? The, the only one thing that I wanted to just bring up um, about Sister, Sister Beatrice, I'm just stuck on her, um, is the fact that when she was having that uh, discussion with Cardinal Duretti, that you know, Cardinal Duretti was saying that she, had, you know, she was so impressive that you know, she was doing a lot of these things with her spare time that it prepares her for life, whatever life throws at her. And then she says, well, I, to, something to the effect of, well, then, you know, I actually miss out on life by doing that. And it just, I, kn- I know her facial features were just very stoic, but it, I can't help but think about that scene in episode two or three where she does step back into the shadows right because there's just so much there's so much angst and pain in in how she said it even though she was not showing it in her in her reaction to the cardinal and it just that scene just gets me every single time it's really making me and and hopefully many of you watching for the first time certainly just see how we, we need to learn more about her. She, she's got so much um, conviction, is the word I use in my mind, to be able to stand up to the cardinal and, and basically tell him, bugger off. You're not, you know, I can tell you're doing this for yourself. And, but also is self-aware enough, like you said this there, Sheila, to realize what she's had to give up, what she's done in her life. Sometimes folks, like I, I imagine Lilith, I'm not sure Lilith ever took the time to stop and think, is, is this what I want to do? You know, do you, do you, either you get the sense she's someone who has some self-reflection going on at any point? I mean, it, in a way, it, at least to me now, thinking back on it, it, it seems like she's like Ava. She's running from something. So to, to keep up with, or not keep up, but 
to avoid having to face whatever it is that she's running from. She's filling her time with other things. And she's also filling it with structure. So things are very, the more things are structured, the more things she becomes an expert at, the less time she has to think. Yes, but did you notice that the, the things that she was learning, Aikido, Kendo, those are martial arts disciplines where it's, it's really defending yourself to, you know, avoid hurting the other person in, in, like, in like Aikido, right? Or in Kendo, it's using bamboo um, as, and protective armor. So it's, it's like she, she, she's learning the art of protecting herself but not hurting someone else. Well, that also goes with her fight scene mm-hmm. because she knocks everyone down but doesn't actually kill anyone. And, and back probably. to that fight scene, though, what's really cool, though, is with the, the very end where she hits the gun and makes the cross with the smoke of the gun barrel. Oh, I missed that. Oh, I thought that was awesome. But that, that's a fascinating point. Because really, those martial arts and her, she's protecting herself. Everything is, is keeping to her little, you know, her cocoon mm-hmm. to prevent anybody else in. Yep. And I mean, that goes back to that conversation in the shadow, too, because she goes, you know, I wasn't perfect. I wasn't this. I wasn't that. So I found a way to, to better myself. I just love that character. <laughs> <laughs> Great stuff My to think on, Sheila. Yes. Great stuff to think on. Okay. I'm good now. So we're good to go in episode six. Third uh, time's the charm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So six is Isaiah 30, 2021. 20, it's a long one. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind saying, this is the way. Walk in it. So in this episode, Ava is on the run and Shotgun Mary searches the streets to try to find her. Shotgun Mary eventually does find her. Um, the locals actually point to the mountains, to the, um, to the Andalusia, Andal- Andalusia mountains. Ah, I totally messed that up. Sorry. Um, so because Ava doesn't know where to go, she reluctantly travels with Mary to the city of the Tartesians. And here in the city, through the locals, Ava basically starts to, 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 to feel what a community is and starts to understand what that means. It's not about what you can get from others. It's what you can do for others, how you can help them. And in the city, they actually revere the sister warriors because the sister warriors saved them from um, the demons a year ago. And so as Ava now in present time spots a wraith demon possessing a local man, she insists that Shotgun Mary teach her how to save, to save him. And so then you know, she learns how to kill the demon, uh, the demon with a dagger made of divinium. Um, and so as, you know, as the days go on, um, shotgun Mary eventually leaves. She leaves Ava with the, with the townsfolk and in the van, when shotgun Mary enters it to leave, we see sister Beatrice 
and she asks, is Ava coming? Shotgun Mary says no, and after a beat, says, but she will. Now, I have to admit, the first time through this series, I couldn't get through this episode fast enough. I thought it was boring. I just Really? Yes. Because for me, the first time through, by the time we kind of got to this episode, especially after what happened with the Tarrasque, in my mind, I'm kind of like, okay, girl, you can't run away from this. You got no choice. You got to deal with it. So mm-hmm. first time through in this episode, not that I didn't appreciate some of it, but it's like, Ava, come on, come on, girl. I know you're going to do it. Let's just <laughs> let's just kind of get to it. But yeah. since then, in the rewatches, I just love watching the two of them and what happens here. Appreciating that, again, the building of, of whoever is and coming to terms in terms of what, you know, she's going to choose to do. This episode is just fascinating to me. I'm curious to know from the two of you, short answer is fine, doesn't have to be a long one. Did did Mary set her up entirely? Knowing I think so. where this place was and that she was playing, shall we say, the long con, so to speak? I think so, but part of me also thinks that Mary has always been very candid about who she is. And when they're having these conversations in the cave about the code and how she, you know, what she can follow and what she doesn't have to, who her family is, um, I think she was guiding her. But I think because she's like Ava, Ava was more intent to receive the message. So even if it was like a con or the long game, I think Ava was more receptive to her because they're on similar playing fields. Both of their families are gone. They don't necessarily never took the vows and they're part of this organization. Plus she also gives Ava the finger, which giggles and has flashbacks to Ava doing it to Francis. And at some point, literally Mary goes, there's always more. I, I just <laughs> I just think they're they're just two they're the similar person and they're just in two different places in their life and I think that's why she follows Mary more and I think that's why Mary can read her better. And see I think that Mary absolutely set her up because in I think it is in the scene, she said that there was another there was another city at the same distance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they went there because they have a history with the folks there. And so it ties in with the, the, um, the Bible verse that you read. See, and I'm just thinking because they'll let her in. Because if someone shows up at my door looking all beat up, I'm not letting them in. <laughs> but you're more apt to let someone in that you already know, that you already have history with. But it's also fascinating to me because um, Ava just ran out of that warehouse naturally, phased through it. So to a certain degree... I think, Sheila, you mentioned that Ava was just running away. I'm not even sure she was running. I just think she was shell-shocked and just walking away from that location. Mm. Um, and as, you know, Mary found out from some of the locals where she was, I'm thinking at that point is when she started to work her plan of, oh, well, if she's just wandering towards the mountains, hey, there's that village we helped. Let's see if I can get her to at least go there so there's someone else besides one of us in the order telling her why she should do it. She needs to actually see it in action. I mean, that's what we all talk about a lot of times, whether it's big things in life or other things. 
we don't want someone telling us about it. We want to actually see it ourselves if we're going to believe it or commit to it or whatever it might be. So uh, along with a great chance to see the two of them, you know, on the road together. Um, and, and you know, Mary, like you said, Kimberly, they're, they're similar in personality that, that Mary can understand why she's um, choosing what she does and, and even is willing to, to kick her off the mountain there one time just to, <laughs> take her down, peg her too, <laughs> to say, "Hey, you know, you're pretty much indestructible, kid. So let's let's not get too upset about what you got." Um, so yeah, that was you know, it, it's a it's a good way to see it. I I, I I do. That's why I say I just appreciate it so much more now on the rewatches, um, because giving Ava that chance to to see the village, to see the impact some people, um, and the priest, and what happened to him. And getting a chance yeah. to to take out that one wraith demon. I mean, this is what she needed to, I think, experience to, if she's going to make a choice, you at least need to see this. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it was, and I also chuckle on the rewatch um, when when um, Mary said she had to make a phone call, you know, to try to get a ride. And, oh, it couldn't come till the next day. Well, that's good timing. Give her a little more time to seep right? in with the story, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can certainly see that by the end when we see it's Beatrice and she asks. But I just, I appreciate it so much more. And that's why I admitted it up front that the first time through, I was a little too much. I want to get to this whole, you know, story thing. But boy, do I appreciate it more this time through. Because it's just, it's so real. Along with the beautiful vistas. Now, isn't this one of the, this is one of the episodes for me that just, the cinematography and seeing. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just so beautiful. This for me also, this episode had a lot of great lines uh, of dialogue from Mary. Um, you know, she keeps like, uh, she brings up that Ava wants to have a normal life, but Ava was never normal. So what does she know about a normal life? And then later, and I actually wrote the, the dialogue down because it really, to me, it encompassed the entire episode. So she says, I know, you th- I, th- I know you think you can just ignore what you find out there, but I promise you it won't be that easy. The world's an even scarier place when you can see all the things in it. And that line just struck me. What do you yeah, that's a, that's a deep one. <laughs> that's a very deep one. I mean, it's a, it's a really good parallel for real life, right? Because it's, it's sometimes you, you just don't see the danger in front of you and the person that you think you can trust um, is really the one that's going to hurt you the most or have very bad intentions towards you. And so having family around you that can help guide you is even more important. Having that community is even more important. And I think it was also interesting after, you know, in regards to that line as well, you can't have somebody else make the decision for you. Like Ava is sitting asking God, please show me the way. And she sees a statue. It looks like it's crying. And she's like, Oh my God, here's my, my sign. sign. I'm going to go do this. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's, it's pretty much a leak. No one's going to tell you what to do. You have to choose just like the halo. We learn, I believe in this episode that the halo chooses people and can reject people. She has to choose the halo chose her. Is she going to choose to keep the halo? Yeah, and I, I think Mary's softer cell, as opposed to Lilith and everybody else, of the idea of what it is. Because there are several times in here where Avery's like, oh, I'm not going back with you. I'm not doing it. Fine. Let's keep talking about something else, you know. And, and you know, um, you know, the psychology side of it 
credit to Mary, is, is being worked very well. Now, Ava might not choose to. I think she's willing to give her just enough room that she might not choose to. But she's knowing that if she does, she has a much better chance of success than if she was forced to do it, like we kind of saw very early on. Um, Whichever episode was, two or three maybe, where they created the whole diversion sound to make him think that it was a, a demon coming or something. And then Ava freaked out and tried to run through the wall and all. You know, she wasn't ready. She wasn't ready to be able to choose to do that or anything. So I think that was a great opportunity um, to give Ava the chance with Mary slightly shepherding her, <laughs> if you will, yeah. to the town, these people from the restaurant order guy to to just all of them standing out and watching the sunrise together, appreciating a new day. Right. You know, that that's, I don't know about you folks, but that's the kind of stuff that's like, whoa, that's, you know, that's pretty... That's big stuff to be thinking about. I really love that scene in the kitchen where, you know, Ava comes in and like, oh, you know how to cook. And obviously Ava hasn't been in a kitchen before, but even though she didn't have that experience, she she is told, you know what? You're here. You're going to pitch in. You have no choice. You know, all of us pitch in. And so giving her that that task and that, responsibility i think was uh was very good for ava again to to bring her into this okay you know a community is bigger than you are and you have a part in it if you want it well there's also that brilliant one line again from mary when she turns around and says oh no she doesn't know any of this she was spoon-fed her whole life (laughs) i know right yeah like literally (laughs) exactly no, and probably not in the way you might have thought I meant by that. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> true, but not with the image you would expect it to be true. Yeah, it, it is. <clears throat> I, don't, I don't know about you folks. I mean, obviously, killing the right demon was an important step for her, actually doing it, learning a little bit about that. But I thought more, maybe what had the most impact, I'd be curious to hear what the two of you think, was her hearing the story of the, of the father. And, and what he went through, um, you know, and, and having been possessed and what it, you know, what it felt like and, and, and the impact, as Mary said, as to why there weren't many parishioners in that church, because, you know, what he had done. I, I thought that seemed like it might have been the one that really hit her hard. Um, I, I have to agree, because when, when hearing his story and, and the fact that he it took him a while to forgive himself. I mean, he was, he was possessed, so he didn't really know what he was doing. Um, but he still felt guilty about it. And it was so hard for others to trust him, but, you know, day by day, little by little with the help of everybody else, you know, he was able to get to where he is now. And I think that, you know, seeing that, that someone can be where they are and still, go through that pain and then come out the other end being okay. I think it did affect Ava. It affected me. Hearing him discuss how it was as if he could see what was going on. He could hear what was going on. He could feel it, but he had no control over it. It was as if his life wasn't his own. And I found that to be an interesting parallel because it's like when the darkness takes over you, you don't have control of what you're doing. 
you don't really see what's clear and what's right. And the realization almost on her face when he says that and, and the, the honest, like, I'm so sorry you went through that. I do think that that struck a chord with her because it's no longer the nuns. It's no longer Mary. It is an innocent telling her what they went through and how the, the OCS saved them. It was a completely different perspective. I actually forgot about that point. So, yeah. Hmm. That's yeah. Excellent points. Yeah. Good. And even Mary, right down to when, when uh, Beatrice came to pick her up, telling Ava to stay another night. You know, she told the locals Ava was going to stay another night. You know, kind of giving Ava that chance to 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 be the the one in charge, with no one else there in case another demon should appear. I mean, there's a chance to give her a taste of what it might be like. One of the things that also um, stuck out to me, though, is we're learning more about Shannon. You know, Mary discusses it being an inside job, and then starts going, you know kind of laying out for you conspiracy theories of, is it Doretti because all of a sudden he wants power and the Pope is sick and we're getting all this information in this depth. And then we find out that Shannon also visited this town a little while ago because she was doubting herself and doubting who she could trust. And the medal that Shannon now wears was actually given to her by that priest. So, my wheels just started turning going, okay, who is the damn master manipulator? Because it's someone close, but who? Well, the chessboard is being set up. We're only at up six. So thoughts going forward from here? Well, I have a question. Okay. And, and maybe the two of you can fill it in for me. Because during a conversation... Um, Mary mentions that evil is everywhere, and so are we. I took that as to mean the OCS is everywhere. Now, we're under the impression there's only, at least I am, I should say I'm under the impression, there's only one halo bearer. So, if the OCS has factions everywhere, could there possibly be other halo bearers? Is this one of my questions for, like, later? I mean, they could just mean that there are... That the secret sect is, there's a lot of warrior nuns, not necessarily halo bearers. But only the halo bearer can, I believe, can see the wraith demons. The Tarask, I think, is everybody can see. So it was an interesting line that opened up my mind to, who, what can we do in later seasons? Yeah, I hadn't given that much thought at this point, i got to be honest. I think way too far ahead. <laughs> It's good, though. We're collecting questions for future discussion. So what do you both think of the title, what the um, reference was, and how it reflected in the episode? Well, to me, you know, it's just that everybody was teaching, showing her the way, right? So the teachers were not just um, the, the sister warriors, but other people. And sometimes, you know, I'm actually thinking about like, you know, when, when your parents tell you don't do something or you know, don't do this because it'll help you, sometimes you just don't pay attention to that, but you will put credence to the same thing someone else says because they're not related to you or not near the situation. So that was what was running through my head. It's like, okay, the, the sister warrior, the uh, 
this, yes, the sister warriors need help here. And maybe someone else can help guide Ava to making the right decision. Yeah, this is very much, uh, this is one of the ones that it was kind of like a oomph right in front of me in terms of what it meant there. That by seeing all of the people, the townspeople, all of these folks around there, she's getting her own eyes to see it. It doesn't matter where she goes, turning left and right, as it says in the passage. Um, they're letting her know this is it. This is the way. Um, so I think it's very much, as we've said, it's it's no longer just OCS folks telling her what this is and why she should do it. It's the whole world around her. Yeah, I agree. And to go slightly further into the credits, the final song that was over the credits is actually Tommy Hideaway. And I felt like it was perfectly fitting because at this point, we're at the midway, right? If you think about it, I know there's like 10 episodes, I believe. So we're sort of past the midway. But um, if you listen to the lyrics of the song, it's perfectly fitting because it's like you can hide away, you can um, hide what's going on inside you, but you can only hide it on the outside. Eventually that storm within you is inevitable and you're going to have to face it. And I found that to be an excellent, excellent choice of music for the ending credits. See, I know that's, that's referencing Ava, but that can also reference Sister Beatrice. I think it references everyone. <laughs> no, I, I had to. I had to highlight Sister Beatrice. Yes, that's, but that's again, my that's, thing. But, but that's what's great about a lot of this, and why we knew we'd have fun talking about it. A lot of this, you know, you can watch the series, especially when you rewatch, and kind of take this to mean a lot mm-hmm. for for a lot of different people. And, and that's so. And I don't want to say any more for that reason. Again, you spoilery, but it's an excellent observation, Shirley. Yes. You know, the story at this point is very much focused on Ava, but she's not the only one playing a big part of what's going to happen. Good, good stuff. Awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to go into the next three. Yeah, we're going to have a lot to cover in the next three set. Oh, my goodness. And then the last one, episode 10. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> it ended up being a two-hour podcast for one episode. <laughs> So, so yes, do, do look forward. Our next podcast will be for episodes seven, eight, and nine. Um, you know, sticking to an approximately monthly release. Um, so, and, and we're still trying to work on some plans for doing those live events. So Kimberly can really dig deep into her list and some of these topics that <laughs> we need to unchain ourselves as far as being able to talk about everything from the show. So those, those will be coming this summer as well as we get some of our other uh, items taken care of. I'm really just sorry in advance for my list. <laughs> now it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Was there anything else that uh, we need to touch on before we go? Watch it all. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, even in the rewatch, I missed all, I missed stuff that Kimberly was mentioning. So I feel like I need to go back and watch it again. I would. I would tell. If you're if you're doing a rewatch, um, watch it with the captions on, because I noticed Sheila doing it, and I noticed that when I did it, I caught lines that I missed and references I missed, and I had been out with Winona Earp, but didn't think about it for this for some reason, and I would highly recommend it. Yeah, I've, I usually do that too on my rewatch ones. Um, you're right. I mean, Earp is a perfect one. There's so many quippy lines and so much quick stuff. You can meet, you can miss them there. Not so much in the in the pace here. 
But as we just described, you've got so many important things happening in exchanges uh, between people that it's, you know, it's really, really fascinating to get a new perspective on it. You know, Sheila's got a doing a great job here with some mic, mic drop items here in these podcasts. Make me want to go back and watch part of them. But again, it just, like I said, this, this episode is one that I, I so appreciated more on the rewatches for those reasons. Um, uh, especially just, just watching the characters and the choices and understanding the implications obviously comes in handy if you've seen it all. But even if you're a newbie and you've only gone up through six, um, this is certainly one I would say maybe rewatch before you jump into seven because, yeah, things are only going to get crazier from here. Intense. Intense. I think that's an understatement. Mm-hmm. What? Your, your thing there? There's always more. That one. I just love that line. <laughs> so it sounds like we've covered all we planned to. Um, you know, a um, little uh, inside baseball here. I think our, our show notes doc with all three of us putting notes in was like 13, 14 pages, folks. So <laughs> <laughs> the the joke about the episode 10 discussion being two hours is probably not a joke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we'd love to dig, dig into it. So we're looking forward to it. But please... Throw us any feedback. We list the options at the end of the podcast. Um, if you're new or whatever, we know there are some of you that have been throwing us some uh, feedback on Twitter. But if you want to do it via email or the voice option, uh, we'd love to hear from any of you, whether you're brand new or you're a longtime viewer of the show. Uh, that's what makes it so much fun for us. All right. So until next time, we'll see you later. <laughs> She's straightforward to the point. Until next time. We're just going to leave it with my favorite line because the fact is we're not going away. Neither is the show. There's always more. And we really hope you tune in next time. If you'd like to contact us here at Into the Halo, we offer a few different options. You can send us email at intothehalopodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter where you can send us an at or direct message at WarriorNunPod or you can leave us a voice message if you go to speakpipe.com slash into the halo podcast you can record up to a 90 second message or multiple messages for us we'll have all of this information and much more also listed on our website which you can find at WarriorNunPodcast.com thanks again for listening